why I'm upset. Yeah. I'm yeah. upset. I'm upset today. I know you are. And I'm upset about being upset. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, October, as we've said, October's my favorite month. It's your favorite month. It really is. This is if I'm if if I've got a shot at being genuinely happy during the year, October's gonna be the month. Well, then force yourself, Jonathan. I did. Listen, this is why I'm upset. I rung a solid day and a half of reasonably positive, uh-huh. optimistic thoughts, bullshit out of myself. I mean, I felt, you know, I, I, I was on it. Mm-hmm. It was in me. Yeah. I was riding that wave. What happened? Fucking people. Yeah, that's what always happens, right? Am I right, audience? Am, Am I, I right? right? Oh, man. It's just... Here's what I learned, though. Don't let two minutes ruin however long the rest of the day is. Is that, is that Tony Robbins? Something like that. I don't remember. It was is, that, is that Oprah? It, it was some, you know, inspirational quote that somebody put on their Instagram account, probably, or Facebook or something. One of the worst things you can say about me is that when I listen to Tony Robbins speak, mm-hmm. I feel something. Oh, Wow. I, I don't even know who you're referring to. You know, the, the motivational speaker, Tony Robbins. He's, he does all the big seminars, no. has people walk on hot coals. No. Not aware. I'm going to send you some links. Oh, I look forward to I that. I might still have some old audio tapes. You know, also, it being October, we have to cover some of my personal favorite films. Well, yeah, that, that's what we're going to get into. We have first, to. first, we have to talk you about to talk how about to make people. me happy. Well, it's hard, Jonathan. It's hard to make yourself happy. Is it? <laughs> you know what? I don't even need to be happy anymore. Yeah. What I need is for is for the whole country to remember how to shut the hell up. Right. So when I announce my presidential run here shortly, mm-hmm. you got my, my vote. My slogan is "Make Americans mind their own damn business again." I w- man, we've talked we've talked extensively about it. You know, it's just people. Everybody has a platform now. And so having a platform, I don't mind people having like with a considered that comes, with that comes like, I feel like this self-importance that wasn't there before the platform. It just seems to me like, and I don't know why this is, maybe the why is separate, but we're just at constant war on every possible level, except the levels that might actually do anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually the fact that we can't get to the to the levers that might actually make us all feel better about whatever our pet peeve is, our yeah. particular, our pet cause. I think the fact that we can't ever get to those levers, that everything has become so dysfunctional, like above the individual level, is the reason we're trying to claw each other's eyes out. Yeah. And I mean, I, the, the, these videos of people going to, you know, schools and screaming at anybody wearing a mask or this whole like nanny state where uh, two seconds of something they overheard that they don't like, they have to try to get somebody fired. Mm-hmm. Cancel culture, as they yeah. call it. Yeah. You know, my original position on cancel culture was that it was just a bunch of assholes whining about being held accountable. Mm-hmm. And maybe that was true, right? Like when the term was originally started get, getting kicked around. Mm-hmm. But that's not true anymore. Yeah. It's a thing. Yeah, it's it's more of a it feels like a trend sometimes. Like I totally get equality, fairness. I want the best for everyone on this planet. Unless you're an asshole, then you 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 get what you get. But it's become a, almost an extreme to where I don't know. It's so problematic to say it, but it you know it's what we were talking about. A certain demographic of people have hijacked it from the real demographic of people that started the whole woke movement to begin with. 
That's all I'll say. And it, that frustrates me, you know, to a, a huge point. But at the same time, I understand what maybe what the intention was, which was to put a spotlight on some problems in our society that may have not had a spotlight on them in the past. Sure, but now they've gone but full now secret police. Yeah, now it's it's anytime to anything where, that is overheard that upsets it, that upsets them for any reason mm-hmm. doesn't matter what the reason is. Like the all that matters is that they're upset. Then they have to run. To, it's like they they have to run to teacher, but there is no teacher. So again, it's just we got to try to get somebody fired. We've got to get try to have somebody lose their excuse me their their reputation. Say some shit about them that is even in true. It's just gosh. yeah. It's very frustrating. It's something that bothers the ever-living crap out of me. But I also, like, man, I don't, you know, there's so many issues with this culture, this country, this planet. I don't even want to go into it sometimes, you know. I just feel like... I just want to talk about horror sometimes because it gets my mind off of that stuff. Crazy how it does, but it also circles back to putting a spotlight yeah. on certain things, which is what I love about it. Well, of course, you know, we're talking today about the curse of Frankenstein because you can't cancel ding, Frankenstein. Ding, you can't. You just can't. You can't cancel Frankenstein. Um, but I think for a, for a while, like, as I said, when I first heard the term cancel culture, it seemed to me that it was being applied correctly, or at least in the instances that I was aware of, it, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least that was my original thought. But now it's... But then there were obvious instances where it was just a vast overreach. Yeah. Like, like not proportional at all mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. And then I started to think, mm, like, that's not great. And, and I mentioned it to some of my fellow liberal friends, you know, and immediately they were like, well, no, 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 that's just holding people accountable. That, that's just, you yeah, sound yeah. like a conservative. <laughs> what, are, what are you? Yeah, so, you know, man. I didn't Your want friends to, on it, city council. Is it, <laughs> is, it, is it really worth, you know, pursuing? So I was like, all right, maybe they're right. And then over and over and over and over again. And like, you know, the specific thing we were talking about today. Yeah. And then I and I saw a couple of more instances out, you know, out of my own personal circle. And uh, these people are scaring the hell out of me. Yeah. They're scaring the hell out of me. I don't know what they think happens next. I don't understand how they're so sure that this thing they've unleashed isn't going to turn around and eat them, too. That's the classic mistake, right? Mm. I think some people have this vision of maybe a utopia (laughs) where everybody treats everyone uh, fairly and equally. And I I, dude, I wish that was a, a actual end result of something we could do, but I don't think that. Oh, sure. I mean, humans are around. It's ever going to happen. If I get to pick any like uh, fictional future in which to mm-hmm. live, I want to live in Star Trek The Next Star Generation. Trek. Yeah, yeah. It's great. That's, We've talked that's about my that. ideal yeah, future. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no question. <laughs> I, like, I like Star Wars better, but that's Star Wars is actually a crappy universe to live in, if you think about it. Like, unless you're not part of the Empire, you're probably a slave, or they're using you for... You're working for them, you know? But I think it's already started doing... I mean, we've already seen cases where this, what do you want to call it? These, these social media show trials, not a perfect term, but let's go with that, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, the, but the, they're already even, it's not just that like they're destroying people, but they're also, they're starting to ruin art. They're starting to downgrade TV shows and movies and books and such by going, by attacking the people who are making it. 
even or even just part of it, like you know the the Gina, what's her name from Star Wars Mandalorian? Yeah, I don't, I can't pronounce her last name. I don't correctly. remember her I'm last not going name. To. Yeah, but she was Carlino. great in the yeah. Mandalorian. Yeah, she really was. And boy, Caleb's a big fan. Well, yeah, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, yeah. Caleb wants that phone. Number, right? <laughs> Gina, if you're listening, yeah, Gina, I don't, I don't know yeah. if you're, I don't know if you're in a relationship. I don't even. We're know if too you, liberal for her to listen. I don't, to. Not, apparently not anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get I'm trying to get my girls back. <laughs> Gina, Gina, seriously, if you're listening to me right now, and if, if you're single, if you like dudes, I don't know, but if you're single and you like men, we got a guy we need to introduce you to. He's a class act. We're gonna play a little little matchmaker. Yeah, and, and don't let the fact that he associates with us right make you reluctant to follow through on this. Because unlike us, uh, he knows how to dress himself. He really he does. Dresses like a grown ass man. And I, I mean a man, yeah, a man's man, man with money. But anyway, I don't even remember. Thank you. That doesn't make you a man's man, but (laughs) I I don't even remember what specifically she said on Twitter. I remember reading it. And oh, she she compared forcing people to wear masks to the Holocaust. Oh, the not so she got the Nazi comparison. Yeah, yeah. There's that rule on the internet: all arguments eventually end in a comparison (laughs) to or the Nazis, right? It's like the most our our like social consciousness here in this country. Like in most places around the world, the like most evil you can get is Hitler. You know, like that's that's the max peak of of evil. When actually, there's there's I mean, like I am not defending that son of a bitch in any way, shape, or form. But there are a lot of people that are just as evil, or if not more. So it's it's funny to me that it, we're well, there's certainly some we I get so short sighted that we. We just remember the most recent bad yeah, guy. Okay. But <laughs> most recent bad guy is Adolf Hitler. Now that you now that you remind me of what she said, I remember reading that because you know I heard the brouhaha when it first happened. Yeah, I remember th- reading that and thinking two things. Number one, that's a stupid comparison. Yeah, and number two, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care what one of my favorite actresses on a TV show thinks about politics, and why should I? Why would I want to? What do you get out of caring? Mm. About that, yeah. I mean, I there. I don't know if there was a time. I'm sure there. There was a time, actually, ladies and gentlemen, where actors were just fucking actors, and that's what they were known for. Like, oh, this fucking actor. yeah. And, and, <laughs> no, that's like, an excellent like, larger you know point. What I mean? Like, why the hell would you listen to an actor's thoughts mm-hmm. on anything? And I don't mean that in an insulting dude, I, way. I'm. I don't consider myself an actor, but I fucking you know, went to school for it and, and everything. So yeah, no, don't. We have this weird thing. Actors where... don't know more than anyone else just because they're reading scripts and make more money than the average Joe. I'm going like, to go out on a limb and suggest that actors know a lot less than people in many other professions about the world at large. But, oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. Which is again, not an insult to them, but we have no. this weird thing where if somebody's really good at one thing, mm-hmm. we assume that, the things they say on other subjects should be taken seriously. I think we, we're in a hurry for some reason to label someone as a genius. You know, I hear that phrase thrown around a lot. I try not to use it that much, but there are people I consider geniuses. Hey, Poe. <clears throat> Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. The little terror, the little werewolf within got into our studio. And we're in the Levi's laundry room today, not my laundry it's room. It's the lair, Jonathan. It's... The lair. Look, this is much bigger. Notice the gargoyles, the candelabra, and the wooden altar. What I like about this one is mm-hmm. that we don't have to crawl under a desk 
to assume uh, the position. No, Jonathan, to get at your place, we have to crawl under a like booby trap of spikes and cobwebs Wires. to get. Yeah, I got to work. No, no, no. <laughs> I got to trying work. to paint a picture. Oh, here, oh, you were going all spooky. I was just gonna say yeah. I'm working on my cable management. Okay. Oh no, no, Give no. Guy a <laughs> I was going all spooky. That's after we descend the thousand step staircase. Anyway, we're going to talk about the curse of Frankenstein. Levi's he's yeah, yeah, going to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. He's going to go full nerd. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, Hammer. He loves this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just speaking of actors. <laughs> I just I don't know. I had to talk about that. I know. Usually we reserve that for the end of the episode. I don't care. It was too hot. Uh, yeah, I just, Jonathan was fired <clears throat> up tonight. We're actually we are filming at nighttime, which which is is rare for us. A little behind the scenes for the audience out there. But why not? It's October. We're excited about the month. We have four movies planned in a perfect world. We'll do all four by Halloween, maybe November 1st. But our first one is my one of my favorite films, Curse of Fra- the, the Curse of Frankenstein, starring Peter Cushing. Mr. I'm sorry, Mr. Peter Cushing. Mr. Mr. Peter and Cushing. And a good-looking Peter Cushing at that. In he's this. 39, and damn, he's handsome. He's just... And we'll go into, like... Oh, man, we'll talk about him. I know we've talked about him before. We did Shockwaves in one of our very early episodes where he was a like a German Nazi submarine U-boat captain or something. I yes. can't remember. Yeah, yeah. He was left to babysit a bunch of SS officer zombies. Yeah, yeah. Correct. Always. And then Speaking of Nazis. Yeah, right. And it always goes back to the Nazis. And then we have the powerful and brooding, ever-present... Sir Christopher Lee. Most of you will remember him as Saruman in Lord of the Rings. He was also Count Dooku, Count Dudu in Star Wars. Stupidest. I know. Stupidest so dumb. name in all of so Star dumb. Wars. I know. Saying something. I know. How well, was there not somebody in George Lucas's circle who was able to say George? He was too. What? George was untouched. What do you do? I know. I gave, so they gave him a cape and the count thing because Christopher Lee played uh, Dracula more than any other actor. And I liked that they gave him that. They also, this is their, so Christopher Lee was their second Hammer actor to hire for Star Wars. The, the first being the other actor in Curse of Frankenstein that we mentioned earlier. Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing. So yes, of course, I have a geek erection from this film because it has two Star Wars actors in it, and they're got, just I'm sorry, phenomenal. I stop you. Yeah, they're phenomenal actors. An erection is a microaggression. Yes, I am sorry. I get very excited. So, so I feel like we're going to have to stop and I know. I did not mean to. The trauma to you just that. inflicted on me? I did not mean to say that. But, so yes, we have Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. This film is also directed by Terrence Fisher, who did the next Hammer film, which was Blood of Dracula, as Christopher Lee was playing Dracula, so also was Peter Cushing playing Van Helsing. I'd love to cover that film at some point. I know we will. This film is very special to me, but it's also very special to the genre in particular. So in 1940, let's see, what year was it? 1948, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, killed the horror genre. And for some reason, somebody asked me this recently. Why was horror like specifically the universal monsters? And it wasn't. It was just the most famous American 
monsters or horror was the when i think of that era that's all i think of right and well you know before that was you know the silent films nosferatu cabinet of dr caligari these are all horror films this is what but but universal monsters made horror in that aspect popular and that was in the late 30s once we get to the late 40s it's become farcical almost because we've seen it a million times um and so horror really died for like almost 10 years with Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Then in 1953, the Universal Monster films are eligible to be put on television. And so their popularity grows even more from like 53 to 57. And Thanks then, to the boob tube. Right. And then, <laughs> then we get the additive of color. So this is the first color Frankenstein film. And so that added to the appeal of it. This film made 70 times its budget in the box office and at one point was the most profitable film to be produced in England by a British studio. And the reason that is is because of what I had just said before that. So, Did it cause any feigning? Did anybody run out of the theater screaming? Yes, yes. and that's Because uh, that's the stuff I love. This movie's not particularly Trauma. gory, but there is a scene that resonated and still does to this day in, in, the genre, in the community, the horror community, which is when the, cre- the creature, Frankenstein's monster, played by the wonderful Christopher Lee, of course, gets shot in the eyeball by a rifle, from a rifle, and... Number one, no one had ever seen someone get shot in the face, really, at that point. Like, at that point was when John Wayne was doing his shit. And if you think about John Wayne movies, they just grab their side and fall down. Or, you yeah, know? or just fall off the horse. Right. And so, someone getting hit in the eye and putting their hand up to their eye was shocking. Then, the blood came out. And this is color. And so, it fucked with people. The color red is everywhere in this movie. And it's really it, interesting. I didn't think about that. that yeah. People wouldn't have. So, yeah, it made people pass out. People left. It had an X rating. It was this film was rated X, bro. And now it would be like PG, you know, if that. Yeah. Your kids could totally watch it. Simone would probably love it. We didn't make it through Night of the Creeps. Night of the Creeps. Yeah, we tried. I tried oh, yeah. We yeah, tried yeah. watching that again after the yeah, yeah. last recording. Oh, yeah. Didn't make it through. No, didn't think so. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I finished the whole thing later. But I know you did. Curse of Frankenstein is family friendly, though. Apparently, not real. I mean, there's some dark tones in this film. It's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, but, but yeah, it's it. It was rated X in England. Frankenstein. When did I read that book? I think I was 14, 15, and then I had to read it again in college. Yeah, we talked about this. Yeah, and you know, I've seen most of the movies. Yeah, I'm very familiar. This is actually my favorite. And I'm a little biased because of the two actors that are leading the film and the production company that put it, the studio that threw it out, Hammer. Hammer is very important to horror. The color red that they used was they got from a chemist that they wanted the most red blood that they could find. So a chemist made, I guess this is the first time they started using corn syrup. As blood. Oh, as the base? Yeah, and so with red food coloring. So it almost looks like acrylic paint. Like, it's it's nuts. It's crazy red. And if you watch the film, guys, you'll totally know what I'm talking about. And then in Frankenstein's lab, which this is one of my favorite labs I've ever seen, there's all kinds of red shit bubbling and, and everything, and it's bright, bright red. It's funny how you can, like, the, the, the color and appearance of blood. Mm-hmm. 
can be it's like a visual marker of certain filmmakers. Yeah. No, Hammer Red is so oh my god, like you instantly recognize it. But then like look at the color in George Romero's zombie movies. Yeah, it's like grape juice almost. Yeah, it's got it's yeah, got kind yeah. of purple. Yeah, it does. It's purplish weird. tint to yeah. it. And the zombies, of course, are very blue looking. Yeah. And in Carrie, it's it's corn syrup, as in scream, it's corn syrup. Which is really you know, really effective. They use that in hammer, they just added the red dye to it to make it even more red, and that's where it made it look like fucking paint. <laughs> and in a lot of movies it almost looks black, depending on the lighting. Oh yeah, no. And then of course they use like in, in Psycho it's uh, chocolate syrup because it was in black and white. So let's see the quarter mass experiment or sorry, not the quarter, the quater mass. Have you heard of this or no. seen this movie? It's essentially District Nine, or it's what inspired district nine an astronaut falls to the earth in a spacecraft and he's been somehow like infected by something and so they quarantine him and he starts to turn into an alien nice but the the actor who portrays the the main character is really effective and almost looks like uh what's our boy's name the director my best fiend Werner Herzog's yeah who's his friend what's that guy's name hi hi the actor yeah yeah Oh, oh, his best, yeah. Werner Herzog's best friend. Yeah, yeah, Shit, yeah. for a second, I yeah, thought yeah, you were yeah. like, who's my best friend? Yeah, like, yeah. He's sitting right uh, here. Oh, my God. Son of and a... He, the um, actor. <laughs> it's Klaus. Yeah, Klaus Klinski. Yeah, yeah. So that's who the main character in Quarter Mass Experiment looks like. It's really effective. Let's see. Lee, this was the breakthrough role for Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Peter Cushing had been on screen, or not on screen. He'd been on screen a couple of times. He was in a Shakespearean film with Christopher Lee, but Christopher Lee was just a spear carrier, so they never met. But Peter Cushing was on stage over 100 times before he was ever on film. Of course, a classically trained British actor. In his slippers. Yes, he's a, med- he's a majestic man. He's infamous for fiercely loving his wife. He was obsessed with dental hygiene because he didn't want to offend... His fellow actors with bad breath in his scenes. That's considerate. Yeah, it became like an obsessive compulsive thing for him. I think it wor- there could be worse compulsions. He had a uh, little cafe he used to always go to. He was very like into being an English gentleman, and he was. So basically, he was like everything, here it comes, Lovecraft wanted to be, was, ding, Peter, ding, was ding. Peter Cushing. Yeah, Lovecraft Bell. Also, Lovecraft was a huge fan of Mary Shelley and Frankenstein, so that's that's that as well. Well, of uh, course. I mean, I, I, he I, he had to have loved her prose style. Well, no, no, he absolutely did. And there, and his like seventy page essay, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, there's a big chunk of it is about Frankenstein. I had the Frankenstein story. That's something I wanted to get into. Is ask you like what what is it about the Frankenstein monster? But mm-hmm. I, I remember having like I appreciated the Frankenstein story in its broad strokes. Yeah. But it's really difficult for me to enjoy, I mean, from the original book, I mean, um, really difficult for me to enjoy just the experience of reading it and the story as a whole, just because of her, you know, that she has that very ornate rhetorical style. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just- and it's in letter, what's that called when you, when the story's just in letters? Epistolary. Yeah, yeah. yeah which isn't my favorite form. Very difficult. But it's very old. For me to read when I was kind of, younger. You yeah. know, it was very popular then. Those yeah, yeah. Dracula's that way as well. Yeah, so. which is another reason yeah. <laughs> I have a hard time with I that I tried to too. read both of those books as like a younger um, child, like probably nine, and I just 
there's no way I could. But it's interesting to me because it's, you know, the, the, those broad strokes then went on to inspire like so many movies. Right. And, Man, and, she and the was... Frankenstein story has been in so many other books and mm-hmm. the comic books and just, right. just all over the culture because that was before we made copyright law ridiculous. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, it didn't, it's public domain. I'm sure horror nerds know this, and I've probably mentioned it before, but I, I think it needs to be re-mentioned, retouched upon. She was 19 when she wrote Frankenstein, or The Modern Prometheus. And do you know about the incident and what, why she wrote it? Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's really neat. Basically, all in her, her and her buddies. Her and her husband's degenerate friends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, degenerate were, um, poet friends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was <laughs> Byron there? Yeah, By- Lord Byron was there. I know, dude. <laughs> And then Percy Shelley, of course. But they had a thing was like, who can write the most terrifying story? And I guess she came up with like the backbone of the story. Not She didn't sit there and write the whole freaking thing in a weekend. I don't think. But apparently it was like dark the whole time they were there because Mount Vesuvius, not Mount Vesuvius. I don't remember which massive volcano, volcano yeah, shrouded the sky. But where Admit it, they if were, you had yeah, access to a time machine. Mm-hmm. Going back and visiting that weekend. Mm-hmm. That's got to be in your top five, right? That's a, actually an episode of something. Someone. Oh, is it? Yes. I don't remember if it's like a show or a movie or something, but they that's where they go. They want to go back. When they when they choose a certain moment in time to go back to, they go back to, I think it's Doctor Who. It's a Doctor Who episode. Well, it episode. sounds like a hell of a party. You've got all those degenerate poets. Yeah. You've got the young Mary Shelley, creative yep. genius at that point. Yeah. God knows what kind of drugs they had on hand. Servants to clean everything up. Yeah, wine. Bring me wine. Wine. Yeah. You think that's all they had? Oh, I'm I'm sure they were drinking sherry and was absent the thing then? I don't you know, I don't probably. I think so. I don't was it it was Victorian England, right? You know Byron had some opium. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They probably were doing that. Oh, I mean and they were God, they were on vacation somewhere too, so they definitely were. Was it in Italy? Yeah, it was in Italy. Yeah. So yeah, I, th- I just I, the whole story behind the story is interesting, and and to me that's a hook, man. Like that that really gets me. And then when the films that are made by the story are almost as iconic as the story itself, it's a rare occurrence. You know, I can think of a few examples of that. You know, but my favorite interpretation of this story is this film, The Curse of Frankenstein, again. But I love the original Universal one. Boris Karloff is, that's iconic as hell. Mr. Karloff. You can't even, like, that whole image is copyrighted. You know, you can't do anything. Like, that. I think that's why they ended up doing Christopher Lee in, he was submerged in water when they, when the It's Alive thing. The It's Alive didn't even happen. They thought it didn't work and they ran, they, they went upstairs and then Peter Cushing forgot something. And so when he went back down to the lab. Oopsie. Yeah, he was like. And that's a really iconic shot when Christopher Lee takes the wrapping off of his face and reveals his look. It's really cool. God, this movie's great. The soundtrack's great. The acting is like grade A plus. The writing's good. There's some wit to it. There's, you know, part of it's funny. There's one where he's like, let's let our friend rest in peace while he can. You know, like there's just little Peter Cushing is so damn charming in this film. Also, other another quick note about Cushing. His favorite meal was buttered toast with marmalade. He said, there's nothing more divine in this world. 
basically. God, that's English. Yeah. Oh, no, it's very... He's so British. What is... Marmalade is like jam, right? I think so, yeah. You know, I know marmalade is the same thing, correct? Marmalade, you just mashed Dude, I'm from Arkansas. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, bruh. (laughs) I'm... I don't know, bruh. Arkansas. So, being an, an, an Anglophile that I am, I loved that. Christopher Lee got the part because... He wanted less money than the guy, the other guy who was battling for the part. He was um, the budget option, right? He wanted eight pounds a day, and the other guy asked for ten pounds a day. They didn't know that there was, you know, that that was oh, the sure. cause. So, two pounds made the difference of two pounds made Christopher Lee an international star because that's what the man does. Right. He he pits the working classes against each other, right? And he also cuts corners to save himself a little dollar or two. In this case, two pounds. But it worked out for us in this case. It really did, man. Can you imagine? Christopher Lee is a iconic human being. Um, he was he was in World War II. He was officer, yeah, he was right? an intelligence officer in World War II, which he, is a nice way of saying he's spy. Like, right. He he was he's like fluent in five different languages. He read Tolkien once he read Lord of the Rings once a year, every year, you know, and like, he just, he was this epic person. There's out of the 70 years, I believe he was acting. He only took two weeks off. He acted for 70 whole years. Dude, he died very old, you know, yeah, he got into his nineties. He'd been acting in theater and all that as well at a very, at a younger age. I think even before the war, he had started, you know, acting, but I know that that's what, also drove him to be an actor. Somebody should have smacked George Lucas. You want me to call Christopher Lee what? <laughs> <laughs> Darth Tyrannus is his Sith name. Well, aside yeah, from the fact guy. that it sounds like a dinosaur. Yeah, I know. Tyrannus. The painting above the staircase where Victor kills Professor Bernstein. So, so Victor's concerned, you know, of course, he wants to turn this creation of his, which is so... It's so like maniacally selfish and weird when he's like, okay, we brought this puppy back to life. Now I want to create life. And it's like, what? Wait, what? (laughs) Like, we've just like reanimated a corpse and that's not enough for him. The, I always wondered just in the story, if nobody had fully explained to Dr. Frankenstein that there was another way to create life. Mm Mm-hmm. More fun than yeah, right. digging up dead body parts right. and stitching them together. Right. That's it just seems redundant. It seems like more work than it, <laughs> it really should be worth. Right. You know, like you just like, go and I go say that a nice as, girl. A, as a as a man. I've never been through labor, so it might be actually less work. I mean, Dr. Frankenstein <laughs> was a man of means. No, he absolutely was. He inherited a bunch of wealth at the age of like twelve, yeah. and that's uh, a, a part of the film. The I, first part I, of the film. I don't know what courtship rituals were like back then. I'm sure they were terrible. He married his first cousin. Yeah, it, it was kind of arranged, basically. Well, they did but that. they did that. They did yeah, yeah. That. Uh, uh, that's uh, that's unexcusable. You, 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 uh, repulsive. I wonder how many generations you'd have to go back in my family to find cousins married. I hope it's at least one. I know it's a long way for mine. Probably, we come from a sophisticated British society. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, and my relatives came over here on the Mayflower. Actually, one of my relatives fought at the Battle of Yorktown. Right. But, but for the English. <laughs> uh, oh. Oh, I didn't know I was sitting across from a traitor bastard. Traitor. <laughs> Fucking Matthew, a Matthew Arnold. 
a damn red coat. Okay, sorry, I, I totally lost where I was. The painting, this is really cool to me because I wanted, you know, I'm an art history nerd. Uh, the painting above the staircase where Victor kills Professor Bernstein, the guy he's going to get the brain from, is called The Anatomy Lesson. And it was painted at sometime in the 1600s and depicts a uh, doctor doing exactly what Victor was doing, which was dissecting a um, criminal. And then they go into that. There's a part where he talks about how the facial structure defines your in- intellectual capability. So like criminals, you know, there's that whole thing. Phrenology. Uh, right, exactly. That He talks about how... Because his his mentor's like Now that was real dude, science. Right. His his mentor's like, dude, this guy is so ugly. And he's like, but he won't be. You know, his face is gonna form to his intellect, you know, and where his dead eyes are now, you'll see wisdom. And then like I just love it. Because it just shows how like antiquated their ideas were, and yet they still thought they could basically create they could be quote unquote God, you know. Like chiropractors. Like chiropractors and uh, proctologists. Well, the proctologists yeah, yeah. have an argument there, though. That's true. I mean, you lose your pooper, you lose everything. You, you lose everything. I mean, honestly, if you're a man, you, you, you lose everything. Like, I'm sure if you're a female, you do as well. If you're, sorry, a woman. Uh, so, yeah, I can't, like, there's just so much charm to this film. It's not very long. It's only an hour and 22 minutes, I think. But one of the... Like, it's just very impressive to me that they, the script is witty, funny. The action starts almost immediately. They didn't want to lull us to sleep, almost like the Universal Monster films did. Hammer wanted to, you know, early on excite the audience, and they do that in a lot of their films. They also know their audience. They know that it's a bunch of teenage boys that snuck in while their parents dropped them off to go see a Western, you know. So they... They know that it's, you know, it's sexual driven sometimes. Like to see Peter Cushing with some swimsuit model sitting in his lap in later Hammer films is just strange almost. Like it's, it's weird, but that's, you know, what they were doing. They had their two actors and then they had everybody else that they put in these films, you know, and so it's, it's really different. But they started, you know, creating films that weren't just became again like the same thing the universal monsters films it just parodies of themselves just formulaic yeah right there are still really one of my favorites and it's a later one is called asylum and it's written by robert block the novelist yeah who wrote psycho and it's starring starring peter cushing but it's sort of an anthology where he owns like this trinket shop and everything in there is really old and and looks ancient and anytime someone buys something from that shop, something terrible like happens to them. And so it's so he's in the film like ten minutes, which happens a lot, guys. And you'll like if you've watched as many Hammer films as I have, they show Peter Cushing's name before they even show the title, and then he's in the movie for ten minutes. Like they know how to get you. The Hammer knew how to get you. It's like Peter Cushing Cushing is in this film. Holy crap! I've got to watch it. Uh, they did that even in Shockwaves. Yeah, they did. Yeah. No, that's what Peter I mean. Cushing like, got big billing, but he's in there for, you know. Like, it happens in Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell, which is, I think, the last Frankenstein iteration. He did seven, I think? I don't know. He was in 16 films over 22 years for Hammer. But anyway, and, and Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell, he's doesn't even make his appearance until, like, halfway through the film. And it's where he teaches a protege how to do what he had learned how to do. 
The ending is really effective and really awesome. It's his mentor denying that any of this had happened and that Victor had killed his wife and stuff like that. And so, and that he's just insane. And so all Victor's waiting is for his mentor to get there and freaking save him. He's like, nobody believes me, you know, but, but Paul will believe me, Paul, Paul. And then Paul gets there and he's like, he's crazy. Lock him up. (laughs) And so the final shot is of a guillotine and, but you know, they just set up for a sequel. Something happens where like the queen needs him in the sequel or something. I can't remember what it is, but uh, I think the sequel is called Frankenstein Must Die. That's one of the sequels. But then there's all the the Christopher Lee Hammer films, Dracula, Dracula has risen from the grave, Sons of Dracula, Daughters of Dracula, blah blah blah. What um Satanic Rites of Dracula, Dracula 1976 AD. Oh yeah. I think my favorite Hammer film and and it's just the just by coincidence because somehow I picked this up on DVD. This was once upon a time, children. Yeah. You uh, there wasn't an internet. Right. And then there was an internet, but you couldn't watch movies on it. No. Because the, the, the you know, it, it was really slow. It was a series of tubes. Yeah. Were tiny tubes. <laughs> yeah. And you had, to, you had to watch movies on these things called DVDs. But anyway, I had a DVD of uh, the Hammer film, To the Devil, A Daughter. Yeah. 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 That's a good one. And I love the occult ones. Yeah. No, there's Black Sunday is one of my favorite ones. And it's in black and white. And it's, but it's an Italian, uh, it's an Italian director. It might not be a Hammer film, but it's definitely, it's around that era. God, we got to watch, we got to do both of those films too. I love Hammer. I can't say that enough. I think it's the perfect, like they have a perfect set of movies to watch in October almost. Like you don't even have to watch anything else. You just watch Hammer movies. They have a box set too. It's just really expensive. And the good ones, the best ones have aged in the best possible way. Yes, they have. Especially for for October, yeah. for Halloween time. Yeah, man. Because like you said, you know, however terrifying they were at the time, mm-hmm. by today's standards, there's not nothing shocking. No, I not mean they're at all. charming and they're they're yeah. fun and, and they're honestly even good to just have on in the background because they have that, you know, the sets are awesome. You know, the music is old. You know, like, you feel like you're watching Gone with the Wind sometimes, you know? Like, it's just a lot. They're so much fun. Like, there's a charm about them that I was immediately drawn to once I learned that they were even a thing. And they're honestly what got me around the same time I had discovered Lovecraft. I had discovered Hammer Films. And I was like, well, this is this is it. Like, this is my new... Pinnacle of human civilization. Well, this is my new uh, niche, you know. I'm just going to learn everything I can about the genre now. Like, it's just... But, you know, not everything can be hammer horror, you know. It's sad but true. Chud. I mean, the 80s had to happen. Damn it. Yeah, it did. (laughs) Sure. Give us the top five hammer horror. Top five hammer horror films. Number one, Curse of Frankenstein. This is the first one. And it's the movie that that developed Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing's lifelong friendship. So I, I, I got to put that one. Next one, Blood of Dracula. That's the first Dracula film with Christopher Lee. Oh, the next one. Dude, I love To the Devil a Daughter is really good. That's a really good one. I also like The Devil Rides Out. That's a good Christopher Lee plays like it, it takes place in like the pilgrim times. Like it's really good. But it's it's very similar to to the Devil a Daughter almost. It's about witch, witchcraft and witchcraft trials, and then and the coming of the Antichrist. 
Dracula 1976 AD just because it's so stupid. Like, I, I had so much fun. Don't you need a fun one? And then I, I guess I would have to do uh, Frankenstein Must Die, the sequel to The Curse of Frankenstein. But there are a lot more guys. Like, look up, I looked up a list. I don't remember remember who did it but there is a list of like the 30 best horror hammer films and so that's a that's a good list to start with but yeah i I, those five are is there any other is there any other period or like group of films from the same filmmakers that that compares to that collection do you think I mean, just we're getting we're getting there. I mean, just in terms Um, of or or that's that's that like identified with a period that 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 has such a sort of coherent yes or at least recognizable style. A twenty four is doing that now, more serious way. Yes, absolutely. Well, back then that was even you know. Oh no, a lot of those films were they took it seriously. seriously. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, They're not all. Uh, Not critics did, but I think you should because of their importance to the genre. What about like Roger Corman? Yeah. Because, you know, Piranha. Yeah. And uh, I think about Cronenberg sometimes. I think about Flanagan. Well, I was thinking, all too, just the sheer volume. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean by A24. Dude, uh, Lamb comes out, their new folk horde. But those are all different. The, well, the, they're different actors. You different and actors and, and different, different directors. But like Robert Eggers and, and Arya Aster use the same actors sometimes. Yeah. But... So, like, with Nosferatu coming out, Robert Eggers' Nosferatu coming out, it's going to have the protagonist from The Witch, Anya uh, Taylor-Joy. So, like, they, they're doing that. I feel like that's what these guys are doing. I, I don't know. Like, I've, I've found that there are directors out there who have only written and directed horror. You know, the guy who did Midnight Mass, which is on Netflix right now, and you, you guys should check it out, has only done horror, you know? He started with a short film called Oculus, which got turned into a feature film. And I'm sure some of our listeners would recognize that title. But yeah, I feel like A24 is doing it. There's a lot coming out from A24 still. There's still more to come out. So A24 is the new hammer to me. It's just way more serious, you know. And sophisticated. Very more, very much more. Yeah. But it's game changing horror, and at the time, this was game changing horror. You know, this pushed the pushed the envelope, which is uh, w- weird to say for an, uh, you know a movie that barely has any kind of gore or, or crazy storytelling methods. You know, so what do you think is the outside of the Hammer movies mm-hmm. and across all media, the f- films, TV shows, comic books, whatever. Mm-hmm the worst depiction slash usage of the Frankenstein character. I Frankenstein starring Aaron Eckhart movie sucked. (laughs) Also Victor Frankenstein with James McAvoy and who played Harry Potter? What's his name? Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe is not very good either. I was sad to say, I, I I mean, it was, I think it's on, uh, it's on streaming on something that everybody has right now. And I gave it a shot, and I did not like it. Like, I don't think I even finished it, which maybe I should have. It just felt more like Van Helsing, which yeah. I was disappointed with. Now, I feel like Van Helsing has kind of grown on me, that film has. But I was very disappointed when I first saw that movie. I thought it was going to be way darker and not really be an action film. So, <clears throat> but yeah, I 
I've always loved these monsters, you know. Um, I think the worst that I remember seeing was the depiction in Penny Dreadful, but I... Oh, the black-lipped guy with the long... It looks like a metal lead singer. Yeah, it looks <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I got... Yeah, used to be a metal lead singer, and yeah. now he's homeless. Yeah. But that that show went off the rails so yeah. fast. I was so... It did. I loved the first season so much. I know. So I much. was so yeah. hopeful. Me too. I, Miss uh, Eva Green. Oh, God. Miss Eva Green. Goddess. Dude, she I is mean, still just amazing. She's an amazing actress, and she's a very easy to look at. Which, she's got those know. great eyes, those really expressive, you know... Yeah, they're... They're green. <laughs> Eva Green. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. She's been in other horror things, too. I can't remember what, what it was, though. But now that I think of it, I think my first introduction to Frankenstein was probably through the Monster Squad. Yeah, now that I think of it, too. And I think that's how my parents got me into Universal Monsters. Also, the, like, box. So, you know what? Directed by the guy who directed last week's movie, Night of the Creeps. Nice. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did mention that, I think. So... Like they did with Star Wars, they came out with like a box set with like new artwork and all this stuff. And they came out with like Universal Monster stamps and stuff. There was this Universal Monster and it was like on Doritos and stuff back when I was a kid. And so I remember that's how I fell in love with them. Where They were very much into pop in, in pop culture at that time when I was yeah. a kid. For some fucking reason, the early 90s was cool with the Universal Monsters again. So... I think it might have been like the 60 or 70 year anniversary or 50 year anniversary or something like that. And that's why. But I really like The Invisible Man. That might be my favorite Universal Monster film. Bride of Frankenstein's up there, too. Dracula's just Which boring, Invisible man. man? The black and white one. God, who's that actor? Tyler's going to kill me. In the black and white one? Yeah. I don't remember. I liked Memoirs of an Invisible Man with Chevy Chase. Do you remember that one? I don't think I've seen. I remember I avoid a little. Remember I avoid eighties films. So no, it's got Sam Neill in it. I love Sam Neill. I know, but it's got yeah. Chevy. Ch I mean, it's a really solid movie. Yeah. Who's the heroine or the the lady? It's oh, I'm not remembering. But it's all good. Oh, oh the Invisible Man. Get this dead air out of here. But one, you look for that. But I wanted to mention 1933, one more. Claude Rain. There you go. Yeah, Claude Rains. Yeah, damn, he's good in that film. Don't worry, I, I won't let Tyler hit you. All right. The Invisible Man. But a really good take on the Frankenstein story. That, well, maybe not. I liked it. It's it. It's one of those low-budget found footage movies, and I know we've all seen oh, enough fuck. of those. Yeah. But, th but this is one that get they it works, all right? right? It's, all right, all right. It's entertaining to watch, and it's a fun take on it. It's super claustrophobic. It's called The Frankenstein Theory. Okay. It came out in 2013. Okay. And uh, what happens is, is is you have a professor who believes that they've studied, they've been looking at like uh, periods of murders mm -hmm. and also periods of like like flocks of caribou, like being found slaughtered and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And and he thinks he's, actually, I don't remember. Yeah, I think it's a, a man, the, the professor. It's been a minute since, that, since I've seen it. But he, he believes essentially that he's like found Frankenstein's migratory pattern. Oh wow, yeah, and that the whole time and that it, a creature such it's as the, Frankenstein it's up does Arctic. exist. Yeah, no, no, the Frankenstein. Oh, does the, the monster like he believes yeah, yeah. Mary Shelley's story was real, essentially yeah. true. Yeah. Oh, it comes from the Arctic. And, yeah, yeah, which is where in the yeah. book, you know, he winds up. Mm -hmm. But he believes that Frankenstein has just been essentially living off the grid. Yeah, up up well, the Arctic. Well, never essentially the the ending of the novel is 
we assume that the elements are going to kill him. Yeah, but nothing else has. But we all know that that might yeah. not work. Yeah, like so. But I love that. But this no, this movie's really watchable. It's got makes what's it, it. What's it streaming on? Is it streaming on anything? Is right? it streaming on anything? More about the Frankenstein theory. Blah, blah. Tell me. So it's two bucks on Prime Video. It's free on Tubi. I don't know what Tubi is. Oh yeah. Uh, Otherwise, it's two bucks on Amazon Prime Video. Sick. I think I saw it on Netflix, and it was like free at that time. But that was—it's been years. Yeah. But no. But anyway, solid. Especially if you—if you're into Frankenstein stuff, that's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, I, think I will. I the, always will. I always check out stuff. For what is it about the Frankenstein figure? I think it's a sympathetic figure. Much like us, we were not asked to be born. All right, Mr. Antinatalist. Well, you know what I mean? I don't know. It, it, there's something about the figure, the creature, that is sympathetic. You know, we all know he's not the actual monster. It's his creator is the monster. Yeah. Which entail br- causes him to become one as well. That also feels very at home with being human. Someone else being a monster to you could easily turn you into a monster as well. I don't know. It's just some, there's something so modern. It's because it, he's essentially at the beginning very childlike, right? And he doesn't I mean, even a, know how to talk. Yeah, no, know? it's it's a brand new consciousness. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all he's ever going to be is whatever his father figure can teach him to be, which he's not very patient with, he's, and he's not, horrible. you know, like yeah, he's not. He's horrible. Yeah, um, it's. There's a lot of social. You would not want Victor Frankenstein parallels with this. Yeah, no, no, you would not. But he, I don't know. He's, you know, he's in the book. He's depicted very differently than he is in the yeah most of the films. But yeah, he does eventually learn how to speak, and he does eventually learn English, you know, to a good extent, and learns how to like he teaches himself how to read and stuff. So he is actually as brilliant as Frankenstein or the doc as Victor wants him to be. But he's just not quick enough, you know what I mean? And so, I, I don't know, it's it's strange. It's Lovecraft or somebody said it's the first science fiction tale ever. Is it's probably true. Frankenstein, yeah. It's just awesome, and it will never be forgotten because of that. And it's just, it never loses its power because it is very human. It never loses its power, so. What's well, got that? Can't cancel Frankenstein. <laughs> you know, science out of hand. Yeah. Angle to it. Oh, I love it. Yeah, we can't control our own. You know, once we get there's going to be a certain point where we can't control no, what sure, we're making. Yeah. yeah. How our ambition gets away from us in that area. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. so do our creations in that area. It's an interesting, I don't know. I think about it sometimes like as a parental allegory. Yeah. Oh, no, you you have to be able to see that. Well, like, me, yeah. Me and my, my 12 dozen yeah. little ones. <laughs> Half dozen. Half dozen. Yeah. I'm going for a basketball team. Yeah. But you are, like, one of the worst things about being a parent is just knowing that you're always being watched. Right. And it's a weird thing in that you know, number one, that they will almost never listen to anything you directly try to communicate to them. Yeah, this is very ironic, but I know what you're about to say. Yeah. So so 90% of your efforts go into the things that you directly communicate to them or you directly try to Mm -hmm. nudge them to do, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And they will not do any of that. They will ignore everything you say. Mm-hmm. They say a curse word. Yeah, until you, until mm-hmm. the moment where you forget yourself mm-hmm. and you're not at your best. Yeah. 
<laughs> or even just just average day to day when you know when you're not when you're not performing as a parent. Yeah. You know, if they're going to catch you picking your nose or something, right. like that's yeah. not a great thing to pass on. But that's where that's where they learn to be a person mm-hmm. is in all that watching and in just how you act day to day. And that's fucking terrifying. Yeah, it's it horrible. They're sponges. I've said it before. I'll say it again. They're like you want little them, sponge brains. You want them to be better than you at your, of course, sort yeah. of, you know, native whatever. Yeah, I mean, state. Yeah, that's that has to be the goal for every parent. Is I just want them to be better than me. I want them to have a better life than I did. You know, you want better for your kids. That's the original goal, and then by about age seven, you're just like. I want to keep them alive and I want yeah. them not to go to prison. Yeah. And I want them not to become the death of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want anyone to ever compare them to the Nazis. <laughs> right. Right. It all ends with the Nazis. Bring that back. Yeah. You don't ever want somebody to say your kid's name to be like the new Hitler. Right. That's no. a bad God, look. No. That's a bad look. Can't name your kid Hitler. Here. No, nobody you wants, can't do it. Nobody wants to be Hitler's dad. No. With I'll go ahead and I and guess that's that's a wrap on Curse of Frankenstein for me. I could have gone for a shit ton of time, I guess, on Hammer. I don't know if I could though. Like I would have to have done a little more research probably, but Oh, I have no doubt that Hammer... This isn't the last time we're going to mention the Hammer film. No, it's not. We'll have more, we'll have more information the next time we talk about a Hammer film. But this film just excites me about Halloween. It gets me excited about October. It has a great October feel. Every movie we're covering this month, it has a great October feel, and we highly suggest that you view them. Next week, next week, we are going to be covering, planning on covering John Carpenter's The Fog. We both adore this film i'd have to do a watch along with that one so, i just want to right, talk all over it while right. it while it plays this movie's fantastic we love it we can't wait for you to hear our opinion on it if you want to go ahead and watch it you we de- hi- you, should. you should you should watch we the fog highly, right now yeah it, what are you waiting for it's october already it's free on amazon prime <laughs> right it is it's on amazon prime now, free right now don't get tricked into watching the remake yeah don't watch the remake which is not good you want john carpenter's the fog you'll be able to tell which one's the original just from the 1980 poster that that is there yeah what, i think it, the jamie poster, lee curtis is on the poster i think adrian barbeau is too, yeah, yeah yeah so oh, hey, you should be excited if you haven't seen it i i don't want to overblow the hype but you should be very excited when and after you get done watching the fog Mm -hmm. you should go down if you live in fayetteville or anywhere nearby you should go down to fossil cove yeah and you should look at my boy's art show oh thanks jonathan but you better get there fast because those paintings are selling they are selling i do want as many people to see them as possible you can also follow me on instagram and message me there for pricing it's at levi horn h-o-r-n-e uh no no new news about the film i'll keep people posted about that when tyler dictates that i can i'm sorry i got i got a little little message for tyler here okay okay (laughs) tyler i want to see the goddamn trailer. <laughs> yeah, There's no point that. in making a trailer if you do not share the trailer. <laughs> people release trailers people are way hyped. and well in advance Hype of movies the yeah. all the time. Oh man, you guys are hyped and I love That's it. It's called marketing, Tyler. <laughs> I want to see the trailer. I don't blame him. It's his first film. He's a little shy. I get it. But yeah, be looking out for that and... Have a happy October. Don't get too gloomy, but stay gloomy, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, we'll see you next time for The Fog. Yeah. Please don't cancel Frankenstein.